0: G'day everyone, Max here. Before we dive straight into this week's chat with Jack O'Reilly, I just want to do a quick tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of housekeeping. As I'm sure you know, it's November next month and Sam and I have set up a little competition to help raise funds for men's mental health and that kind of means me losing my beard, unfortunately, but you know, it's a good cause to do it for. We'd love you to join us, though, either by growing a mo of your own, donating or spreading the word on your social media. Um, So head to our Instagram at 78Amp to learn more. Or if you want to join our team, shoot us a DM and uh, we can definitely get you set up. Let me just change the tape and, and roll this interview. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. No, it's our pleasure. You're joining me from an Uber, which is a first yeah. for our show. But um, <laughs> Look, we've, we've got so much to talk about, including the brand new album, but yeah. the way we like to get the ball rolling, first and foremost, is diving into your Spotify and Apple Music playlists and, and getting an idea of what you've been listening to lately.
1: Oh, no. No. <laughs> 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 this is this is almost as bad as you just reading like my messages or something.
0: <laughs> Bit personal, is it?
1: Yeah, but it's cool. Let's let's go. Shame. me
0: <laughs> So what have you been listening to?
1: Um I've listened to a lot of the new record, a lot of my new record Jack O'Reilly's middle everything available now. Um <laughs> I love I, the Shameless um, plug. <laughs> it is so I'm so uh filled with shame like as like the base level of shame, so you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, so the, yeah, listening to that, what else we got? Um, I really like, um, what else we got? I've kind of been on a, I've been on a bit of a podcast uh, thing recently. I've been listening to this thing called uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, which is like a, um, a wrestling based podcast. been doing that. Okay. That's not really on Spotify though. On Spotify, what, what's been going on? Uh, MF Doom. Um, Oof uh regurgitator um block party Skepta. um yeah i don't know usual subjects thanks
0: mate thanks (laughs) (laughs) well you mentioned before middle everything the the debut album it's 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 such a good journey and you've got a a really unique sort of storytelling ability and, and it shows throughout the album but thank you when you were writing, did you want the album to have sort of an overarching theme or is every song sort of touching on a different story?
1: Um, well, it was very clear. Um, like I, from the onset, I definitely definitely wanted an album. And with that, like I wanted to have the listener to have a, a, like a certain experience from start to finish. Um, yeah, in, in terms of what the themes are or ended up being, that wasn't, very contrived Did that just kind of happening. That just kind of happened. Um, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was a desire to have a bit of a, like a, a, condensed, uh, story or movie or however you want to look at it, like that the audience could, could digest. Um, but, but yeah, the, the themes kind of just came up quite organically after I started writing and, um, and yeah. And then sort of when, when I started to get it on a bit more of a role of like, um, you know, had sort of like two or three songs finished and the theme was sort of already there for those, those three or four, like, you know, it, w- it was quite easy to get the uh, rest of the songs finished um, after that, yeah.
0: Fair enough. Well, we, yeah, you said that the themes and the songs sort of came together on their own and, and every song does have that different theme and different vibe to it. I'm, mm. I'm really interested to know, I mean, listening through the album, I was getting hints of like the National and the Smiths and even Deftones vibes with mm. like the ending of Some Days, for example. Yeah, um, that was a,
1: that. But you got the reference exactly right for that <laughs> one. That's that's what we're doing.
0: <laughs> I was, it leads into the question: Were yeah. those sort of bigger influences? I guess who were your bigger influences when it came to songwriting? And um, yeah, did they you know play a part in the in your writing on
1: the album? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm a huge uh, music fan, like, uh, and I listen to a lot of different stuff. Um, The National, definitely uh, one of those um, bands. When I heard them, they were like, "Okay, this has changed my life." Now, (laughs) this time now, (laughs) there's definitely pre and post the National uh, in Mm. my life. um, Same with, I I guess, it's the same with bands like uh, Bright Eyes and artists like Elliot Smith, Um, Deftones. um, It was actually. Yeah, De- Deftones and um, what's the uh, AFI actually? Mm. Where was a really big um, influence on the, this record, particularly just because I, I just love um, when the the soundscape sounds really vast, but it's also just like it rocks, like it just <laughs> just, just just rules. Um, and I think Deftones and AFI with it with two important um, ones important ones for that. But yeah, definitely just the way the Nationals set things up. Um, it's, I think it's pretty clear to see that, yeah, that's, that be, that's a huge influence on if it's a little bit lyrically, but more so about how the songs, are structured and how the instrumentation weaves in and out. Mm. Um, yeah, I like, was trying to think of it. I truly really tried to balance the idea of just sort of pop crushing fun rock and roll guitars with that sort of texture and sparseness that you would get on like a national or Beirut or, um, Fleet Foxes record or something like that bright eyes you know what i'm saying mm. um in terms of other like influences kevin devine is a really big one for me um he's a fantastic artist from from uh, new york city uh from staten island um and then aside from that yeah just lots, lots of different stuff lots of hip-hop actually yeah sceptor mm-hmm. and um mf doom and uh, dizzy rascal um wu-tang uh childish gambino kendrick you know or you, Action Bronson actually, he was a big one okay. for this one. Yeah, yeah. just, just was, there, was there
0: ever a, a moment in the studio where you're like, I might throw a jewel track in there and see how we go? <laughs>
1: a little bit. I mean, I um, I actually have that outlet with a little side project I've got with my best friend Sam, where it's um, it's kind of a bit like um, The Gorillas, I guess, or okay, uh, uh Regurgitator, where, where there's a bit more hip hop, uh. Uh, sort of peppered throughout it and, and certainly I, I always when um I, I work with Jono from cry club he's the, my producer i guess and when we're looking for references it's always the sort of boom bap stuff it's always mf doom just because i love the gritty texture of it okay um and definitely like when we were doing sundays and uh old guard and stuff um the sounds of the pianos i really wanted the pianos to kind of be similar to the boom bap pianos you you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah, you hear like um yeah like 36 chambers like the pianos on that i wanted to sort of have that similar sound Mm. um yeah so it is throughout it's maybe not as overt as like i'm going to do a verse in this but like (laughs) uh, but it's certainly an influence on me for sure
0: no it's really interesting getting i guess a songwriters um insight into the influences because it's always it's always not what you expect i mean you touched on the national, but I mean, oh. for people listening, I think the last thing they they think of is a bit of Skepta and uh, <laughs> hip hop reference. But yeah, um, for me personally, listening through Newland Street was the standout just for for me. But thank you. It was the song. I feel like I really took a step back and and just enjoyed it with no distractions. Like the outside world didn't sort of matter at the time. But can you tell me a bit about that track in particular? Because I feel like listening to it, there's a a lot more than me. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean that sort of. It really is middle everything. Is is Newland Street sort of? Um, it. I, I wrote it back in twenty sixteen. Um, I, I was on the bus and I was just. I just. I, <laughs> it was just after the Yours the Owls weekend. You know, Yours and Owls that festival yeah, in Newland. Yeah, yeah it, I had um, I just gone to that, and I was back at work on Monday. And I was just on the bus sort of writing stuff and I just sort of, uh, started my meditation practice. Um, and so I was really just trying, I was half writing a song, but half just noting how, how I was feeling or what it was, what it was actually not how, actually how I was feeling, just what was happening. Um, and I think, uh, that was a bit of a, that unlocked a pretty serious door for me because it was like, um, there's weight in things just happening. Mm. You, you Um, and, Yeah. And and that's sort of what it is. And it kind of, it did allow me to, you know, uh, exercise, uh, some feelings of jealousy or be mindful of some feelings and thoughts and stuff. But it, it also is, it's enough of a blank canvas for an audience member or someone listening to it to kind of create their own world. Mm. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it was really supposed to just be like a creative stimulus, like for, for the, for the listener. Um, and, um, yeah, and as I said, it kind of opened up a really um, powerful door for me and that kind of inspired a lot of my writing after, um, uh, after it. So I actually had an EP released in between that song coming out and the album coming out, but I just thought to wrap the whole uh, process, process up, like I had to put it on the record because it kind of was the impetus for the, for the whole thing, like the themes that I'm exploring.
0: Mm. and it, yeah. it it definitely comes through in that ambience and sort of melancholic feel throughout the song. But yeah. at on the show, myself and Max always talk about the the video, the music video song. In that, you know, you listen right. to the song and you want to stare out a car window and you know drive <laughs> down a coastal highway and just think about life. <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the everybody hurts video. Exactly. <laughs>
0: but you know, it's it's an important. Um, position on the record being the last song mm. and it, as you said mm. it, it wraps middle everything together was that an intentional decision to really yeah. you know just leave the listener with that to think about
1: yeah because there was certainly um there was a few ways it, it could have gone like um um se- sequencing is a really it's something sequencing of a record is something i pay very close attention to um and that helps uh build that idea of the theme or the um the experience that the listener is having from start to finish. Um, so I was potentially thinking some days was going to be the end, um, because it has that massive crescendo at the end. And I kind of, it's something I learned from the, uh, what is it? Weekend in the city, the block party record, I've been a big fan of that for a lot of years. And I just love the idea of a song starting so slowly and then it explodes at the end. Um, and that was what it was going to be. Um, and I sort of some days was like the second or third song that I wrote for the record so um, after I'd actually discovered what the themes of the album was and what um, what everything the direction everything was sort of heading and I knew alright I really want to put Newland and Treat on the record because it was sort of like um, you know it sets up the whole album it could have been at the beginning but I really wanted the, I really loved the idea something that I stole from Kendrick of having the record be able to be played backwards or yeah. kind of kind of be in a loop and the idea of um, you know middle everything like things just happen and you're in the middle of it it's kind of cyclical as well like that's kind of kind of what I'm doing as well so putting Newland Street at the end I could have just as easily put it at the beginning but it like kind of sets the album up again it kind of mm. wraps everything up and then introduces the themes once more okay. so yeah so it was it was intentional for sure for sure but it was either going to be at the beginning but I think it makes it more cyclical to have it at the end
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense um, yeah. Changing tact slightly, apart from, yeah. you know, rocking the stage, you're, you're also an early childhood teacher. Uh, yeah. Was there any focus groups involving uh, the kids <laughs> that you teach when gauging initial reactions of the album?
1: Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, but I have to say, in the, since the album's coming out, or it came out, or a few months leading up to it, I have been more chilled out about playing uh, music just as a musician for the kids. Um, so previous to that I just had music as a part of like music time and mm. we do it and it'd be a child's experience. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. I think in a way to kind of just build my own confidence, uh, in being able to like talk about the record or have the record be- exist in a public forum or whatever, mm. I kind of had to, yeah, I did have to test like some of the <laughs> things on, on some people um and the kids and the good thing is kids are extremely honest like i Mm. it was too obviously it was too far along in the process to change anything but like um especially for tracks like new Street, and um i didn't play old guards got some pretty heavy themes for them to um, take (laughs) away but uh some days and stuff like that like things where i could say that it was having a calming effect that was like that was what Mm. happened yeah so yeah i yeah, it's pretty cool. So, they're not, not like focus groups, but they, it sort of half happened,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if a yeah. kid doesn't like something, they're going to tell you and it's
1: going to hurt. But It, I mean... it hurts. It, <laughs> it never gets any easier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the other thing I That's noticed fun, no? is that you, you toured with Gavin DeGraw. Now, oh. for all those who don't know who that is, ask your dad because if uh, I don't want to be, was, wasn't playing at some point in your, your childhood growing <laughs> up, I'd be shocked. But... I'm interested to know how did that all come about, and does he wear as many fedoras as uh, in person as he does in all his press shots?
1: Yeah, the fedora <laughs> stayed on; it was <laughs> glued to. He said, uh, "You know what? He was a really nice guy. We didn't get a chance to chat too much because um, I think he had press to do and um, all all that sort of stuff. He's a very busy sort of sort of dude. Um, but when we chat chatted briefly, it was at the metro in Sydney. Um, he." he walked past. and I was like, Hey, what's up, Gavin? You know, like, and he was like, oh, thanks so much for having us in your house, man. I was like, Oh, it's very kind to you so, for you to say that. Um, but yeah, he's a really nice dude, really professional. Um, actually took me back. Like I was kind of, I mean, I didn't think the shows would be like fizzes or anything, but I thought there'd be like, you know, a small dedicated fan base, but it was huge, man. Like one tree Hill. It's a, it's a popular show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when he played that song, I tell you, it just exploded. Hey, it was, it was wild. And that was the first time I'd ever played it. Like a, like a, the, a big ish sort of venue, like the Metro in Sydney was like, obviously like growing up in going to shows at the Metro for, you know, my whole life, basically it was pretty, pretty stellar moment. And, um, to have it go over pretty well was, was insane. And then also to have the main artist be pretty cool like a nice guy or whatever it was mm. it was really really great really cool super lucky
0: unreal well you hear a lot that yeah. you know those big artists are either assholes are really nice guys so you know, yeah. maybe it's the fedora power i don't know but...
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it could be it could be well maybe he's bringing it back yeah
0: yeah i mean yeah it's it's a year to do it if any so,
1: so <laughs> you're not wrong man
0: if uh <laughs> if anyone out there is listening and hasn't already checked out jack r riley make sure you do middle everything is out everywhere on all the streaming services and for all Sydney siders you can catch jack on stage at the vanguard november 10 and for people wanting tickets or just to sort of get to know you a little bit more what's the what's the best place for them to reach you
1: um I'm on all the socials you can do that um, I think I probably spend the most time on Instagram I think if you send me a message on Instagram more often than not I reply but um, yeah on, on all the socials doing stuff triple down Earth, uh Facebook I'm on Twitter I'm pretty bad at Twitter I don't really know how to do Twitter that well but you know I do I have like a back catalog of like emo drafts that I haven't posted but you know when when the time is right I'll get um, yeah, aside from that, you know, just that. Um, if they want tickets to the Vanguard, um, there's two shows going on. There's a show solo that I'm playing in the evening at 6pm. 6 6 p. There's a few tickets left for that, like not many. And then um, there's the band show happening later on the evening and that's actually sold out. So, sorry about it. But <laughs> if you want to come hang out at the solo show, there's like a few tickets left if you want to come.
0: Get in quick. Yeah, know, uh, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I've really appreciated it <laughs> and sort of getting in insight into the album and thank you very much again get involved get around it and uh
1: yeah enjoy enjoy the rest of your override